Um, but thank you, Kim, for all the announcements. It's, this is cool. We're getting, it's packed out this week. I love it. I love seeing all you guys' faces. So my name is Jason. If you guys are newer here, uh, I'm stepping in as the interim lead pastor right now and fulfilling that duty. Um, we just finished a series on Masterpiece, and I wanted to show you our final product of our puzzle. You want it. I know people want it. We've had it out there for uh, six weeks, and nobody has been able to solve the riddle. It's okay. I actually think it's beautiful. The reason why I think it's beautiful because it, it kind of explains where we are right now as a church, right? We got all the different pieces to put together the puzzle. They are up here. They are, they are ready to be put together into their, their positions, into the right spots where they're supposed to be, but they're not there yet. They're still kind of in shambles, okay? It's still discovering what their identity is. We, as Northgate Community Church, are still trying to determine who we are, and that is kind of the season that we are in in the, intra, or in the lead pastor search process, and our, our process as a church is we're, we're still trying to really establish who we are, right? Taking steps towards that every single day, putting people into the right places, even if we're not there yet, we are going to get there, right? And we're going to put that puzzle together someday. It will go back together. I guarantee it, okay? I guarantee it. That was the Masterpiece series. Uh, we kind of wrapped up Ephesians, and now we're going to head into uh, more of a focus heading into Easter, okay? With two weeks, uh, this week and next week, taking uh, an in-between series to talk about love and the lost, okay? So today, um, I wanted to take a break from all of my voice up here so much. I am still going to be speaking to you and leading you and guiding you in this, this discussion today, but I want us to talk about love, today. We're going to talk about love, we're going to discuss love, and we're going to have a chance to respond to love, okay? And then next week, we're going to talk about the lost and how we can love the lost. And so we will be around tables again next week to pray with each other for the lost, okay? To discuss what it looks like to love the lost and what it means to be lost, okay? Um, I did uh, want to, to give you guys an opportunity as well. I do have a good friend. He is the CEO of this company called the Adventure Challenge. Okay. If you guys haven't seen these before, uh, the Adventure Challenge is um, it's a tool to help provide a little adventure to either. Uh, there, I have three different kinds that I want to give away as gifts to you. Okay. Um, Part of the, the reason behind I want these things, giving them away, <clears throat> love is very complex. Love has multiple, multiple different meanings, um, ways that it can be described, examples that can be shown. Uh, and when I was processing this series and I was planning out this message, I was debating continuing the, the love aspect from Ephesians that is given as a... As a um, a guide for relationships, both in your house, in your family, uh, in your community, um, in your relationships with loved ones. Uh, and this was a tool that I saw that I was like, oh, this is really cool. I, I have six of these to give away, but I want to give them to people who really want them. I don't want to just like hand them out. Um, and so what I, what I want to do 
if you want one of these, I have a couples edition, I have a family edition, and I have the adventure challenge in bed. It's, it is, this is a family, this is an adult service, okay? There is uh, three aspects here that I'm talking about. There's one for the family where you can in, uh, seek out adventure and things that you do, activities that you do together. If you as a family are lacking in uh, a, an excitement or an adventure, if you feel like you're going through the mundane and you need some ideas to help you enhance the adventure inside your family, I want you guys to write me an email, okay? Write me an email and just say, I think that my family could benefit from this for this reason, okay? <clears throat> you don't have to get too personal or anything like that. Just let me know that you are interested. Same thing with the, the couples edition, okay? If you are dating or in a relationship that you um, need some adventure, they give you different date ideas. And then the last one is kind of self-explanatory, okay? So if you are interested in any of those, let me know, and I will send you guys a copy, okay, or a, a book, and it is a book where you can scratch it off, and it's fun, and all that stuff. All right. This is better, right? This is good. I had, uh, I've been listening to feedback on the way that I preach, and I wanted to bring a little more fun into it as well. We can be fun, and we can laugh at each other. Um, I feel like the last several weeks, I've been really passionate about this transformation that needs to happen in the church. I'll get to it by the end of this message as well. Um, but I wanted to take a break from yelling at you guys and kind of uh, getting all my emotions out and crying and all that stuff and just laugh. You can make fun of me, right? Um, sometimes I get passionate and that drives me. Uh, this series, this two-week series, got me thinking about the practice of that transformation in the church, okay? Um, how many of you guys have used ChatGPT or artificial intelligence? A couple of you. I know he's the one that showed me. And this is my brother, you guys, by the way. He made sure, he's my older brother. He took all my sermon notes and he like shuffled them up on purpose before I came up here, doing what a good older brother does, thank you. My daughter told me in the back, hey, Uncle Jared mixed up your sheets. I said, Taryn, I already know. <laughs> That's what my brother does. So he introduced me to ChatGPT. Um, it's artificial intelligence. It is the wave of the future technologically. Okay? It has an ability to create templates, design things, uh, translate things, be Im imaginative. Um, basically, a lot of the things that our brains do as humans it can do as a computer. And for me, it's been beneficial in the classroom where I teach because it helps me do some lesson planning, helps uh, guide me through emails, it can guide me through all, all kinds of different things. And I was curious this last week uh, about what AI would say love is. And I saw a video, I don't know if you guys watched the Super Bowl, um, but there was an advertisement on there of He Gets Us. And it was uh, an advertisement basically about how Jesus understands us as humans. And it's a campaign. There's differing opinions on, you know, what this company is doing to uh, elevate the perception of Jesus. Um, but I watched one of their videos, and I'm going to have Daniel cue it up. And they asked the question to 
the artificial intelligence of what love is. And so I want us to watch that um, right now, and then I'll have a follow-up question for us. So Daniel, if you want to cue that up. So artificial intelligence is able to produce an idea or an image of what it thinks love is. As human beings, we have the capacity to imagine love in all kinds of different ways. Um, what I want us to do, some of us learn visually, some of us learn auditorily, some of us learn by writing and being hands-on. I wanted to take a minute, uh, first question here, and, and around the tables and give you some time to draw a picture of what you think love is and then share it around the table, okay? Um, it can be a picture or a word. So there is paper and there is pencil around your table. If you have not met each other yet, and, and if you guys wanna join a table if you're standing in the back or if you're in a smaller group, um, I'm gonna give you guys about three to four minutes. It can be a word or a picture if you're an artist to imagine what love is. Okay, so imagine what love is. So go ahead, go ahead and pass them out, pass them around, pass them around. Each, individually, individually, each of you can draw your own picture, okay? And you can talk to, if you have not met each other, go ahead and talk to, introduce yourselves, all right? conversations is wrap up real quick so that's good um beautiful 
Beautiful. I saw some pictures that were absolutely brilliant that you can do in three minutes. Um, I'm not going to out anybody because I don't want you to have to share if you don't want to share your picture. But what I, for, I saw things from um, broken hearts being mended and patched together. I saw words such as self-sacrificing. I saw um, the cross as a symbol. I saw a ring as a symbol. I saw um, one I really like, and I like the explanation behind it, um, a person jumping off a cliff. And asked what it meant, uh, she said, it's, it's like jumping in with reckless abandon, nothing holding you back, right? I saw someone kneeling on the ground to serve the other person by washing their feet, um, and then countless words, countless words that de can describe what love is. Love is all of those things. Love is all of those things. You know what words I didn't see on there? I didn't see selfish. I didn't, I didn't see prideful. I didn't see anger or envy or all those other things that we're warned against to stay away from. I saw the heart of God in your guys' pictures as you tried to describe what love is. God's heart is all of those things. I think that inside of us, we resonate with God's heart about what love is, even if we can't put words to it all the time, even if some of us struggle to define it in words or pictures, God's heart resonates with our heart. Our heart resonates with God's love, especially uh, when we know who he is and what Jesus has done for us on the cross. Um, I wanted to share a story with you guys uh, from Eusebius. Eusebius was a historian back in the first century that took account of uh, several things that uh, they're not included in the Bible because he wasn't considered an apostle, um, but he writes of several things, and one of them that he writes about is the story of John. And I wanted to share this story with you. It's actually preserved by Eusebius, um, written down by Clement of Alexandria first. And according to Clement, when John returned from the island of Patmos, where he is said to have written Revelation, he lived in Ephesus and sometimes traveled to neighboring areas, appointing bishops and establishing order in Christian communities. In one city, a male youth caught John's attention, and John committed the youth to the care of the local bishop. The bishop raised him like his own son and baptized him. However, in spite of this godly influence, the youth got in with a bad crowd and became a criminal. Sorry, this is an article that I, had, I got this from. Eventually, he became a criminal himself. Eventually, he became the no notorious leader of a band of robbers. Sometime later, John visited the city and asked about the young man. The bishop, breaking down and crying, told the apostle about he, how he had left the church and became a robber. John was extremely upset and immediately demanded that someone show him the way to the robber's outpost. Despite being elderly and vulnerable, he fearlessly approached the robbers and demanded to see their leader. The leader tried to run away from John, but John chased him and cried out, Why do you run away from me, child, from your own father, unarmed and very old? Be sorry for me, child, not afraid of me. You still have hopes for life. I will count to Christ for you. If need be, I will gladly suffer your death as the Lord suffered death for us to save you. I will give my own life. Stop. Believe. Christ sent me. Upon hearing this, the hardened criminal burst into tears, dropped his weapon, and hugged John. He repented of his sin, and John went through an intense time of prayer and fasting on his behalf. 
Eventually, he was fully restored to the fellowship of the church. I believe it gives us a, a beautiful picture of what love is. When he pursues us, despite how far we can run from him or the things that we do, he is always in pursuit of us. Okay, so with that, I want to ask this next question. When was a time that you ran away from God? How did that work out for you? And then what did it take to bring you back? How can you use that now to help others? Okay, it's kind of a four-part question, but share about an experience where you can relate with this robber or you can relate with John who chased after the robber. Uh, maybe you're in a place like that right now. Maybe you're running. If you are running, what's it going to take to bring you back? What's it going to take uh, to really know this, this love that God has for you? Okay, so go ahead and talk about it around your tables. Daniel, put on some more music, and I'll give you enough time. I'll just monitor it. Outpouring starts to happen, and, and uh, we start to see each other's hearts, and we start to feel that compassion for one another, empathy for one another, and ultimately love for one another. I, I, I wanted this to be more of a tangible act of love expressed through the church than just someone preaching and listening, right? I wanted you guys, I want you guys to share stories with each other about what God is doing in your life, and for some of us, that means he's pulled us out of dark places. Some of us have been really far from God, and he's brought us back. All of us have strayed. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. None of us have lived a perfect life. All of us have, have been selfish or prideful or angry or have gone away from God and turned to our own nature, our human nature, our sinful nature. But God, in his greatness and in his goodness, always welcomes us back, always draws us back to himself. He wants us to run back to himself. I cannot help but be super intrigued by this Asbury revival that's happening right now. I don't know if you guys have seen it or heard of it, but God's outpouring is coming. It's here uh, this generation that we, that I have been raised in, has things that we've been lacking, that we've been longing for. And the word that has been on my heart for the last two weeks has been longing. We are longing for a sense of the Spirit, for the sense of God to move through our churches. A lot of what we've experienced through church has not satisfied our souls. And what I see happening in Asbury is this incredible uh, outpouring of the Spirit amongst a generation that I honestly thought the generation after us was hopeless. But I see hope. I got a phone call from a friend this last week, an old Hawaiian brother. And as soon as I started talking to him, we got into this pidgin language, but... He started, I haven't talked to him in six years, and the first thing he told me was, brother, I tried to kill myself. What? Jordan, we did ministry together in Hawaii for years. 
And he started to explain how he got to this place. And when he tried to do this act, he failed. And a homeless man that he had given 20 bucks the week before found him and saved his life. Called the paramedics. He flatlined three times in the hospital where he had to be revived. And he said, I was brought back to life because God has a plan for me. My life is not over for a reason. And when he asked me, what has God been putting on your heart lately? I couldn't help but to think of revival. I feel like the church has been dead for far too long. That we have been lacking in a lot of different ways where we need to be revived. This little article that I read talks about what's going on over there, and this is what I wanted to emphasize. It's love. Professor McCall is one of the professors there. He's a theology professor, Asbury. He said, what we are experiencing now is an inexpressibly deep sense of peace, wholeness, holiness, belonging, and love. Love is the, only the smallest of the windows into the life for which we are made. The experience in Asbury right now is a tangible sense of peace for a generation with unprecedented anxiety, a restorative sense of belonging for a generation amidst an epidemic of loneliness, an authentic hope for a generation marked by depression, a leadership emphasizing protective humility and relationship with power for a generation deeply hurt by the abuse of religious power and a focus on a participatory adoration for an age of digital distraction. I had one more question, but I would rather end this service with an outpouring of our love and affection for God through worship. And I believe that is one of the markers of how God is moving right now is through worship and adoration and love. Love is defined, I believe, in Acts when it says there was nobody that was in need. You guys, worship team, we can come on up. Okay. Nobody was in need spiritually, emotionally, physically, financially. All the needs of the people were met because of the outpouring of the Spirit moved people to provide what was needed for the church. I believe we are in deep, deep need as a church to experience the love of God. Uh, I do want to continue. We're going we'll to sing a couple songs. I want you to, to praise with your heart. Remember where you've been to where you are now. If you are in a place where you feel far from God, tap someone on the shoulder around your table, or maybe if you've heard someone express that today around your table, pray for them. Revival is marked by prayer. Pray for them. Prayer is powerful. Okay? Find someone in the room to pray for you. Express your, your repentance of those things that you may need to repent from to draw you back closer to him. But allow yourself to be moved by love, by the love of the Father. Let me go ahead and pray for us. Father God, 
I love this people. I love the group of people in this room right now because you loved me first. God, you love these people in this room. Each one of us, you know the hairs on our head. You knew us by name before we were even born. You knit us together even. And you breathed the life into us and you called us to come sit at your table to commune with you, God, to worship you, God. Through the name of Jesus, we approach your throne in adoration of who you are. God, it's different. This is different from any of the other times that we've approached your throne. It's not out of obligation. It's not out of tradition. It's not out of necessity. It's out of desire. It's out of love, God, that we approach your throne and we lay our hearts before you and we say, God, may you be worshiped. May your name be lifted high. May you be praised. May all glory be given to you, Father God. These are our hearts. These are our hearts before you. We pray this, Lord Jesus, in your name.